Welcome to an inspirational teaching by our guest speaker of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. A couple of years ago, we as a family visited Malaysia. We were visiting with a couple there on a holiday. And then uh, here was this Chinese couple with whom we stayed. They're friends of ours. And we went out for dinner. And while we were having dinner, Ezekiel, our son, served water at the restaurant, served water to this host, the family, the head of the family. And as he was serving the water to the host, the host took two of his fingers, the index finger and the middle finger, he bent it like this and he put it on the table, pointing it to Ezekiel. We were wondering what this means. You know, when you're interacting with different cultures, there are a lot of things that they do which you don't know. We were embarrassed to ask them, but the host was kind enough to explain and tell us the story behind this putting down of hand like this. He told us how in ancient China, there were, there were kings, and this particular king wanted to go and be like a servant. So what he told his servant, he dressed him up like a rich man, his servant was dressed up like a rich man. He dressed himself like a servant. And they would go visiting villages. And they would have dinner with people. And they will just, you know, get to understand what's happening within the country. And as he was doing, the servant, would, who's now the rich man, he was sitting there. And the king, who's the servant, would serve him tea. You know, China runs on green tea. You go anywhere, they serve you green tea. So here they were serving the green tea. And now the servant was so humbled, he wanted to say, thank you, I'm not worth it, you know, don't do it. But he couldn't do it in public because the others will come to know that he's not the rich man. It's the king who's there who's serving him. So what the servant would do, as if to bend his knees and say thank you, he would take two of his fingers, bend it as if he's bending his knees and he would put it on the table and the king and the servant would understand to one another saying, thank you for serving this and I'm not worth it. You know, this is a practice that is continuing in China. Very often if they want to say thank you, they'll put their middle finger and the index finger bent down like knee bent on the table. You know, this morning I want to share on a topic called heart of celebration. And the first point I want to share is on the divine choosing to become ordinary. The divine choosing to become ordinary. This king who became a servant. You know, we are humble. They are considered as great. They are considered as, you know, people who are benevolent and people who are kind and people who are loving, etc. But when I think about it, our God coming down as man is much greater, much bigger, much more than what we can comprehend compared to what that king was doing. You know, when I think about it as we celebrate Christmas, it's not just about the birth of Christ. And very often when we look at Christmas, we look at it from the reference point of man. But we fail to look at it from the reference point of God. What did it mean for God to come down? You know, when I think about, think about God, who is the King of kings, who is the Lord of lords, who is the God Almighty, God omnipotent, which means He is all-powerful. He utters His voice and the earth shakes. 
He touches the mountain and the mountains melt like a wax. Isaiah chapter 40 says that God holds the waters of the earth in the hollow of his hand. And that's the mighty God we are talking about. Isaiah goes on to say God measures the width of the earth by the span of his hand. You know, our God is so great that when He speaks forth, things come to be. He is no ordinary God. He is no ordinary thing. When you think about God having to give up His glory, for God the Father to release His Son, for the Son to give up His glory, for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on people like you and me who grieve the Holy Spirit, it is no ordinary thing. It was a choice that God made as a divine being saying, I will become ordinary for the sake of my people. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, Jesus, though he knew that he is God, he became a mere man. A mere man. The word mere describes we are nothing, but God chose to become man for your sake and for my sake. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, God dived into humanity by going into the depths through incarnation first and then being raised to the height. Before we think of God as a baby, we need to understand that God chose to become a fetus. God chose to become a fetus. What a wonderful thing. Can you think of it? A king becoming a servant is absolutely nothing compared to God, the Lord of Lords, the Lord Most High, Choosing to come down. I don't know why am I sharing this. I'm sharing this because very often in all our celebration of Christmas, we forget this awesomeness of what God has done. We are so preoccupied with the giving and the taking and the eating and the sweets and the cakes and the gulgles and whatever it is. We forget. We make Christmas more about ourselves rather than about God. And here we are talking from the reference point of God as to what it meant for him to come down. A divine choosing to be the ordinary. Don't get me wrong. Celebration itself is not wrong. That brings me to the point. Celebration is ordained by God, but with a purpose. Celebration is ordained by God. So there's nothing wrong in celebrating Christmas, but there is a purpose behind it. Christmas should not just become about clothes, should not just become about carol singing, should not just become about, you know, having events after events. Praise God, we need all of them. But it should go beyond that into a greater purpose. And I'm not even getting into the argument here to say whether 25th December is the day when Jesus was born or not. That's not an argument to have. But what is important for us to understand is this mighty God became a man, and we celebrate that. If you go to Australia, they celebrate Christmas in July. That's because it's wintertime in July, and in December is summer for them. So they, they have it. It doesn't matter when you celebrate. It doesn't matter what date we celebrate, as long as we understand the purpose behind our celebration, so that we don't lose the very essence of our celebration. Why do we celebrate? What is the purpose? Number one, we celebrate to remember what the Lord has done. You know, when we read Exodus chapter 13, verse 3, it says this, Then Moses said to the people, Commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt. 
out of the land of slavery because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. You know, what a powerful thing. What Moses is saying is, he's saying, hey, listen, Passover has happened. You have been liberated from slavery. You have come out of bondage. Your lives are transformed now. You have a new destiny now, but set aside a calendar date. Make an appointment. Block a date in a year where you will celebrate. Celebration is not wrong. But he also goes on to say, why do we celebrate? We celebrate so that we will remember what God has done for us. We celebrate to remember what God has done. In fact, if you will go on to read Exodus chapter 13, this is a chapter after the Passover. You will read. If you're taking down notes, you can take these verses down. Exodus chapter 13, verse 3, verse 9, verse 14, and verse 16. There is something common in all these verses. And what is common is this, that with the mighty hand of God, he brought us out of the land of bondage into a land of liberty. With the mighty hand of God, God delivered us. With the mighty hand of God, through signs and wonders and miracles, God brought us out of the land of bondage into a land of freedom. It's the mighty hand of God. So when we celebrate, my friends, it's not celebrating Moses' ability to negotiate with Pharaoh. It's not celebrating saying that Israelites were so strong they overpowered the Egyptian army. It's not to celebrate saying, hey, we schemed and things happened. We planned and things happened. Moses is not even in the picture there. They are saying it's the mighty hand of God that delivered us. Amen. So this day, as we celebrate, this Christmas as we celebrate, I wish, I pray, and I hope that each of us will take time off to be able to sit back and to be able to think about the day you came to know the Lord. Think about the time before you came to know the Lord. We heard the testimonies. Some of those testimonies were true in our lives. Think about, but for grace, where will you and me be? But for grace, we will be ashes. But for grace, we'll be snuffed out. Our God was able to destroy us when we sinned against him. He, was, he is able to create billions of more planets. And he is able to create beings who will obey him. And he could have done that. But he chose to save us. He chose to love us. And that's no ordinary thing. And we celebrate what God has done in our lives. Amen? Amen. So take time off. Take a day off. Take some time off in your morning devotion. Think about all what the Lord has done. Think about how God transformed your lives. And sit back and say, Lord, with the mighty hand of God, God has saved me. God has saved me. Number one reason, celebrate to remember what God has done. Number two reason is to celebrate to pass on the legacy. Pass on the legacy to the next generation. Exodus chapter 12, verse 26 and 27 says this, And when your children ask you, what does the ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he stuck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. Chapter 13 and verse 8. On that day, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. You know, celebration of Passover was 
There were some rituals or some, some things that God told them to do. The beauty is, in chapter 12, when Moses is telling the children of Israel, do this, this, this as a part of your celebration of Passover, and also tell your children about it, Passover has not yet happened. It's not yet happened. And he's already saying, commemorate, celebrate what God is going to do. It's not only what God has done, but what God is going to do. And then he goes on to say, when your children ask you, what does this mean? We are eating bitter herbs. We are eating unleavened bread. What does this mean? Tell them what the Lord has done. Tell them what God did for you in Egypt. Tell them how God defeated Pharaoh. Tell them how God delivered you from bondage. Tell your children the testimony should not just be coming from the pulpit. The testimony should be coming at your dining table. Testimony should be coming on your sofas and chairs at home. Testimony should be coming when you're walking in the mall with your children so that they know that the God they believe in is not a God who's sitting up there, but he's a God who's worked in my parents' lives. He's a God who's changed and transformed my parents' lives, and he is able to change my life. Commemorate, celebrate in order to pass on the legacy to our children. And again, I wish during this Christmas season celebration that each of you as a family will sit together and each of you will be able to share a testimony of what God has done. Just sitting together and talking about what God has done, that's a greater celebration than the best biryani you can have. Greater celebration than the best turkey you can have. Greater celebration than the best clothes you can buy for your children. Share with them what the Lord has done for you. Amen? Passing on the legacy. You know, when I think about Christmas, the season, having transited into becoming a ritual, sometimes we miss the importance of what Christmas is all about. Yes, as believers, we understand it is about Christ. As believers, we understand that we got to share the gospel in the season. But, you know, we, we lose that awesomeness for God. Can I say something? We tend to take God for granted. We tend to take God for granted. It was no easy thing for God to come down. We as believers, every time we think about it, we need to be so exuberant and bubbling with worship that we should forget everything else and then worship the Lord, saying, Lord, but for you, where will I be? We lose that awesomeness, my friends. You know, you know when I think about it, you know, as I was meditating on this passage to preach and, you know, this whole message. There were times in the car as I was driving, I just broke forth in worship as I was meditating. I couldn't help it because, man, when I think of God most high, name above all names, there is none above him. He chose to come down. What else can I do than to worship him? What else can I do than to give thanks to him saying, Abba, Father, I'm not worth, but you did it for me. Hallelujah. You know, when we, we got to do this as families, I wish we could do that. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. Now we understand when the psalmist writes in Psalm 145, his greatness is unsearchable. Even the Milky Way we are not able to understand fully. And God created the universe that has billions of Milky Ways like, uh, ways like us. Imagine the greatness of God. But the question is, how do we respond to this God? How do we respond to this God? When I look at it, I say we should respond or celebrate. The only way is to celebrate in worship. 
You know, when I was reading and meditating the story about Mary and the Christmas story, when I look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 46 to 55, we find this is where the angel comes and tells Mary, hey, listen, you're going to be birthed and son of God is going to be born. Or you're going to conceive the son of God in your room. You know what she does? She breaks forth in worship. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in my God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of me, the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generation will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. You know what the angels did when they came to declare the birth of Jesus to the shepherds? They could not help but worship. They sang glory to God in the highest, glory to God in the highest. There's, there's nothing more. You go on to read the story of Simeon and Anna and the others who are there in the Christmas story. You will find that each one of their response was nothing but worship. My friends, this Christmas season, if we don't catch that awesomeness of who God is and what he has done for us, our Christmas celebration is in vain. Ordinary person choosing the divine plan. First, we said the divine choosing the ordinary. Now we talk about the ordinary choosing the divine plan. Now every day, I don't know if I've told you this, for last 25, 30 years, I pass through a very important place every day to my work. Every day I go to work, I have to pass through this place on Hosur Road. And I've been doing this, I've done it in cycle, I've done it in a two-wheeler, I've done it in car, I've done it in bus, I've done it walking. I have to pass through this very significant place, and that place is the cemetery. Why do I say it's a significant place? For two reasons. One, because when I pass through that place, I thank the Lord for the gift of life, that I'm still alive and not in that six by three grave. To be able to say thank you, Lord, every day that I'm alive. The second reason I, I say it's a significant place is, can you imagine hundreds and thousands of people who are buried there. But along with them are buried many unfulfilled, unrealized dreams. People who lived in the mode of, I wish I could have done that. People who lived in the mode of, if only some circumstances were different, I could have done that. They died and their dreams are buried there. And the good news is that you and me need not go down to our graves with our dreams unrealized dreams buried we can realize our dreams when we the ordinary choose the divine plan like what happened to mary you know in luke chapter 1 verse 30 to 38 we read this again i need your help in reading this aloud and the angel said to her do not be afraid mary for you have found favor with god and behold you will conceive in your room and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child shall be born, will be called holy, the son of God. 
Verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, theologians estimate Mary's age around this time. The scripture doesn't record it. Theologians estimate she must have been between 15 and 18 years old. Because after Bar Mitzvah, which we did in the teens for the girls around 12 years, they are betrothed, or rather they are engaged to somebody to get married. When they come to the age of 18, 19, then they would get married. It's like reservation, online reservation. You reserve the seat and keep, so when you go there, it's available. Betrothal is like that, okay, online reservation. So Mary was reserved, but he didn't know angels will intervene, poor Joseph. Here she is, teenager, an ordinary peasant girl, not known much around her. We don't hear about her before. We don't hear much about her even later. But what surprises that angel visits her? And tells her the impossible thing that a virgin will conceive. And the first question Mary has is, how? You know, when God calls us to the impossible, we have that question and it's a natural thing. God doesn't undermine our questions. God doesn't brush aside our questions. It's good to have questions and it's good to ask the Lord. Lord, logically it's not possible, but how? And you know what? Angel explains the process. How it will happen? Mary is still not convinced. You know what angel says? Hey, listen, I'll give you a proof. Go meet your cousin Elizabeth. She's barren, old age, almost ready to kick the bucket. She's conceived. Six months into pregnancy, she goes there to find Auntie Elizabeth. Can you imagine? Auntie Elizabeth pregnant. And that's when she breaks forth in worship and sings to the Lord. And I like what she says. She did not sit and calculate the risk of being a virgin and conceiving. Can you imagine a teenage pregnancy in the Bible? She did not sit and estimate the consequences of what will happen. She did not sit there and say, what will people think of me? What will Joseph think of me? She just left it everything to the Lord and she said, be it unto me according to your word, O Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. Several weeks back, Pastor Victor preached a message on finding your purpose. Finding your purpose. My friends, as Pastor was sharing, I hope and pray that each one of us has found the divine purpose that God has for us. You may be an ordinary peasant. You may be an ordinary person. But what God is saying is the things impossible with man are possible with God. If God has called you to do something impossible, God is able to make it a possibility. Trust God for what He will speak to the Joseph. You don't care about it. He will intervene and talk to the Herod. He will talk to the wise men. He will do the shepherding talk. It doesn't matter. You just have to trust and say, Be it unto me, O Lord, according to your word. What a wonderful thing, isn't it? Mary, an ordinary person, who chose the divine plan. We have more people. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 32. It's a story of a guy called Simeon. I'm not going to read all the verses, but 
I'll read only verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, that is redemption of Israel. That means he was waiting for the Savior and the Holy Spirit was on him. You go back home and read what happened when Jesus is brought for dedication to the temple. The Holy Spirit moves Simeon and all the purpose of Simeon's life is this. He is waiting and waiting and waiting to see the Savior. And once he sees the Savior, you know what he says? Done, Lord. I'm ready to be with you now. Fulfilled your purpose, Lord. I'm ready to be with you now. What an amazing thing. My friends, when you find that purpose and when you begin to live that purpose, you are ever ready to meet the Lord. Like Pastor said in the first service, you'll not be thinking of death, but you'll be thinking of life that you can live, living the purposes of God. I pray that you will not enter the new year without knowing what your purpose is. Understand what God wants you to be beyond your job, beyond your career, beyond what it is. What is the divine purpose that God has called into? I like the introduction of Simeon. There was a man, Simeon. No titles, no lineages, no influential people, nothing. There was a man. That's all is the intro. Whose cousin was he? Whose uncle was he? Who was he related to? No, there was a man. And that's Simeon. And you could be that man. You could be that woman that God is looking for. An ordinary person through whom he can do extraordinary things. If you read on, there's a prophetess Anna who is introduced there. In Luke chapter 2, verse 36 to 38. We will read verse 36 onwards. There was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Peniel of the tribe of Asher, who was very, who was very, old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 80. That's old. Correct? That's old. She never left the temple but worshipped day and night and day fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. 84 years old. She is still living for one purpose. She did not have an easy life. If she got married at 15, at 22, she was a widow already. From 22 years all the way up to 84 years, she is saying, I have a purpose. And the purpose is to declare the redemption of Israel. She lived with that divine purpose night and day, fasting and praying and looking to God. And the day came when she saw the Savior face to face. And she was able to hold her God in her hand and be able to prophesy and say, this is the redemption of Israel. This is the redemption of Israel. Ordinary choosing to be extraordinary. You know, when I was meditating on this, I was thinking as a congregation, we have a mixed set of people, don't we? We have the teenagers like Mary. We have the middle-aged people like Simeon. And we have the old people like Anna. It doesn't matter what age you are and you still can find a purpose. You still can live for that purpose. Don't live when you're old, grumbling against your children, grandchildren, what they do, what they don't do. Who cares? Have you got a purpose? 
Just hold on to that and say, hey, children, I don't care what you do. I am waiting for the redemption of Israel. I will fast. I will pray. I will do whatever it takes. I may be an ordinary old woman, ordinary old man. I'm retired. I don't have a calendar full of events. It doesn't matter. You had a hard life. Your husband left you. Your husband died. Your wife died. Your children are given upon you. Don't care about the hard life. Hold on to the purpose. Like Anna. 22 years onwards, all the way up to 84. She held on to that purpose. My friends, you're not too young. Mary was just a teenager. It was at the, when I was a teenager that I came to know the Lord. And God can pick you and he can use you. Don't ever take God for granted. What are we trying to learn from all these stories? While Christmas is a divine becoming an ordinary, we need to understand God chooses the ordinary for the divine plan. He has chosen you for a specific purpose. Don't give up on yourself. That's the biggest thing. God never gives up on you, but you give up on yourself. Don't do that. Hold on. Tough times will be there. People will mock, you're a virgin, you're this, your society norm is not the illogical. Hold on to what God has, and God will make the impossible into a possibility. Amen? Amen? Hold on to that verse. Be it unto me, O Lord, according to your word. And remember that verse that angel said, nothing impossible with man is possible with God. All things are possible. I want to conclude with this story. It's about a story of a statue, a huge statue that was there right in the middle of where the road was supposed to be made as part of development. It was a very famous statue, a clay statue, so people did not know what to do with it. The development authorities consulted with the government and they decided saying, hey, listen, we will move this statue from here to another place so that it doesn't get destroyed. So they decided, they brought all the crane and everything, and they were moving the statue. While they were moving the statue, lifting it from one place to another, they realized it was so old that the clay started falling off. You know, chunks of clay started falling off. But what amazed them was this. When the clay fell off, they saw something shining inside, and they discovered it was gold covered in clay. You know, many of us are like that. God has put gold within us and we still see ourselves as clay and hold on to some temporal purposes of just achieving a master's or achieving a degree or buying a house or making a career to become a president or whatever it may be. Holding on to nitty-gritty things like a clay when God is saying, hey, listen, inside of you I have put gold and I want you to shine forth for me and that's the purpose for which I have taken hold of you. Let's not take God for granted this Christmas. Amen? We will celebrate with our families, celebrate with a purpose. Celebrate to leave a legacy. Celebrate to declare what God has done and to realize what God has done in our lives. We will celebrate in worship unto the Lord and we will remember divine God who chose to become the ordinary is also a God who calls the ordinary for a divine plan. And may the Lord use us and help us that we will not have a normal Christmas, but we will have a worship-filled Christmas. Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com.